0: This is Legacy Battle coming at you on YouTube, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Facebook. You can sponsor this show by contacting us in the comments. Michael Adams here, creator of Legacy Battle with me tonight. Gridiron Battle Zone's own Brian King, Penn State Collegiate All Star Kevin Adams, Ball State athlete Paul Havicott. And we're joined tonight by a man who played with six major league baseball teams, including the Phillies. You can see the picture behind me, Expos, and Blue Jays. He was a member of the 2004 Canadian Olympic baseball team, making him the only player to play for both Canadian MLB clubs and the Olympic team. He also has been a coach uh, with the Expos, the Yankees. He's a Tip O'Neill Award winner, and he's a member of the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame outfielder Rob Ducey. Rob, thank you for joining us tonight. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you, Michael, for that introduction. (laughs) this, you're perfect for tonight's topic, so tonight we're going to be de- debating the the irony here. There is no Mount Rushmore in Canada, but we're going to be doing the Mount Rushmore of Canadian baseball, and uh, we're going
2: to start out tonight with Larry Walker. Booger. Nickname is Booger. Um, Larry actually wanted to be a goalie for the Montreal Canadiens, but instead he uh, put together a very, very, very solid MLB career. Maybe Rob can comment on this. Maybe everybody kind of is born wanting to play hockey. But uh, anyway, he went on to the MLB, and he's got just a load of stats here that probably make him the best, and we could probably skip the other ones. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. 17 years in the majors, a right fielder, born in 1966, Maple Ridge, Canada. He's uh, with Montreal from 89 to 94. And he goes on to the Rockies in 03. And then he finishes with St. Louis in the 05 season. So Larry's stats are quite impressive. Uh, 1,311 RBIs, 383 home runs, finished his career with a 313 batting average, and I was looking up his double totals, had 471 doubles, finishing a career with 2,160 hits. It'd be really hard to argue against Larry as one of Canada's greatest players because it seems like Canada argues for him. He selected as Canada's top athlete in 1998, and that was in a year where he actually had some injuries, but he still finished with the appropriate amount of bats at bats, and he finished with a 363 average, becoming the first Canadian to win the batting title this century after a guy named Tip O'Neill. So he's coming off of a phenomenal year in 97 with the Rockies, Put together one of the finest statistical years in recent Major League history. He became the first uh, Canadian to win the uh, league MVP, hitting 366, 366 with 49 home runs, 130 RBIs. And he actually had some speed, 33 stolen bases and 409 total bases. He's a January 2020, so a recent Hall of Fame inductee. And here are some of his awards that I think are going to beef up my argument. I think our guest is familiar with the Tip O'Neill Award. So it's like Larry took that torch and kind of went from there because I think Rob won it in 86. And then uh, Larry won it nine times 87, 90, 92, 94, 95, 97, 98, 01, and 02. He's a seven time Gold Glove Award, uh, five time National League All Star team three-time Silver Slugger Award. In 1994, he led the National League in doubles, tied with Craig Biggio. In 97, National League home run champion and the National League MVP. National League batting champion in 98, 99, and 01. In 2009, he was inducted into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, And, of course, like I said above, he is now recently a Hall of Famer. I think it was. Overdue, but that might have been. Maybe you guys can correct me. I think that was his first year of eligibility. But Larry Walker has it all. Great fielder, great batting, good power, speed, doubles. He's, in my opinion, the number one Canadian player.
0: Rob, does does he have a weakness? I mean, from everyone we're talking about today, he's the guy I look at and I say I don't see a weakness.
3: You know what? All around. A tremendous player, you know, very, very good teammate. Uh, I can't say, uh, you know, enough about Larry as far as what he did on the field, off the field. Uh, I think that uh, the numbers that you were just throwing out there were astounding, you know, as far as the type of player that he was and, and the impact that, that he had on not only, uh, the, the game of baseball, but baseball in Canada as well. So, uh, he, you know, arguably is one of the best players ever to, to come out of our country. No, no question about it.
4: I
2: never really heard anything off the field. Did you have any off the field dirt on him? He seemed like an all around good guy, but I don't know. <laughs> you went down that road. I didn't know if you had a story. No, no, no,
3: no, no. I, uh, when, when I reference players, it's, it's a total package because there's there's guys that are really really good between the lines but then outside of the lines you really they're they're cancers so but but larry's not obviously not one of those guys he's uh, down to earth uh, but, you know the, you won't hear anything bad about him
0: what well, was it larry walker in the all-star game that johnson randy johnson threw over his head and then no, he turned his head no, that was, john, and switched no it? that was
3: john switch no that was john Crock. yeah
0: well, I remember it yeah. happening to Kruk, but I thought Walker, like, turned his helmet around and batted reverse, uh, switched I think in. he had the bat
2: upside down, too, or something like uh, that. He
0: might have done that. He might have done that.
2: Yeah, something like that.
0: I, yeah. Yeah. Because he, he, him and Kruk, when they had played against Johnson, they both took off that day. <laughs> so during the regular season. But, Brian, let, let me ask you a question. Um in my opinion, Larry Walker's best chance to win a World Series was in 1994. Yeah. Do, do you think that would have happened with the Expos that year?
1: Well, I mean, we we debated that not long ago and, and they they had one active team that year and, and he was the leader uh, of that team and, and the best player. And, and so you know, it was a shame that, that the season was ended prematurely like that because, you know, he may have had that World Series ring. And, and that adds to everybody's
0: greatness having that ring. So, all right, let's move on to uh, Justin Morneau.
5: Yeah, Justin Morneau, um, born in 1981, first baseman. I uh, played in the MLB for the Twins, Pirates, Rockies, and the White Sox. Um, I was super excited uh, when my, my Pittsburgh Pirates brought him over. Uh, Pirates are actually uh, going to make the playoffs for the first time in like 20 years and That was the last time
0: any Pirates fan was excited.
5: (laughs) So, I mean, they brought him over with Marlon Berg, came in too. I mean, it was exciting times for Pittsburgh. But anyways, uh, so Morneau was uh, drafted as a catcher, actually, uh, by the Twins uh, in 1999. He converted over to first base uh, in the minor leagues, made his ML debut in 2003. Um, In 2007, he became the first twin um, since Gary Gaetti. Uh, in 87 to 88 to hit 30 home runs in consecutive seasons. Um, he's a four-time All-Star, even though he had you know, a career that was kind of injury-plagued. Um, he did did have some concussion issues, um, but uh four-time All-Star. Uh, he was named uh, 2006 AL MVP. He finished runner-up in 2008. Uh, he won two Silver Slugger Awards. Uh, he won the 2008 Home Run Derby um, and the 2014 NL Batting Title. Uh, he represented Canada in 2006, 2009, 13, 17 at the World Baseball Classic. Uh, he currently serves as a special assistant in the Twins front office um, as, and also uh, a commentator for the team on uh, Valley Sports. He had a career batting average of 281, 247 home runs, 985 RBIs, so almost 1,000 RBIs. Uh, he was inducted into the Canadian Hall of Fame, uh, Baseball Hall of Fame in 2020, last year. Um, in 2006, uh, he consistently appeared near the top um, of the AL leaderboard in batting average, home runs, and RBIs. In um, August 9th of that year, he became the first twin since 87, like I said, to hit the 30 home runs uh, in, in a single season. Um, he finished the season hitting .321. Uh, that's a pretty decent batting average. I was, I was sixth in the AL. Uh, slugging average of five fifty-nine. Uh, and 34 home runs and 130 RBIs that year. Uh, he was second in the league in RBIs and tied Larry Walker's 1997 total for most RBIs uh, in a season by a Canadian. Uh, for his hitting, he won the 2006 American League Silver Slugger Award representing first baseman. Um, his efforts helped twins to their fourth division title uh, in five years. Uh, he won the AL MVP in a close vote over uh, Derek Jeter uh, of the Yankees. Uh, becoming only the fourth player in Twins history to receive the honor. I uh, became the first Canadian to win the AL MVP award uh, and the second Canadian to win uh, the Major League MVP award. Uh, he played in the MLB Japan All-Star Series as well in 2014. Uh, he led the NL in batting average, proving that he can still play in that year. Uh, a lot of people had concerns that he, he was on a decline, especially with his injuries uh, late in his career. Um, but he won the NL batting um, Uh, title. Um, He he had been productive. He had a productive baseball run. If it wasn't for his concussions uh, that he had suffered, he might actually still be playing, to be honest with you. Uh, Twin Spires Edge did an article last year um, uh, naming him uh, top five Canadian uh, player in in history. Uh, He was number five on the list. Um, He was a three-time Tip O'Neill Award recipient uh, who was another great Canadian player. Uh, Paul mentioned that Larry Walker had gotten that. Ranker.com also listed him as number four of all time for Canadian players. And LiveAbout.com had him listed as five uh, out of top 100 Canadian players. So, I mean, his stats, the batting average, it's under 300 uh, career, but he was a great first baseman, great player. Um, He's got some accolades, uh, definitely top five in my book for Canadian baseball players.
0: Joe was a – I'm sorry, Justin was a a quiet – quietly did that there were so many big name first basements I think he kind of flew under the radar but hearing what you just said Kevin that was mighty impressive uh Rob you know what are your thoughts on him and then you know there was a good combination with between him and Joe Mauer there for quite a while in Minnesota got him to the playoffs uh, more than once I'm sure uh you just you just don't hear about it because it's, it's Minnesota you know
3: oh the Eminem brothers no no doubt no doubt uh uh, you know what? It's really hard for me to fathom that he played that long, because uh, I was with him in two. uh man, two thousand three. I was with him when we clinched the uh, berth for the Olympic team. Uh, we were in Panama, and during the course of of the uh, that tournament it was it was at the end of 2003 uh, at the during the course of that tournament he led the the tournament I believe with seven home runs uh, you know he had just started to mature as a player and, and then he went to AAA and had a great year and ended up going to the big leagues the following year but it's it's hard for me to imagine that he played that long because of the injuries and that it was cut short. Uh, as far as the, the concussion issues. And I, I believe that, like Kevin said, had that not happened, he may still be playing because he was just that type of guy. He just went out and, and did his job and, and uh, very, very productive, tremendous teammate, would give you the shirt off his back and uh, uh, did everything he could possibly do to help a team win. Now, uh, his numbers, again outstanding numbers, but they could have been better because of, of the issues, no doubt about that.
0: Paul, if he plays in New York, is he more of a household name in your opinion?
2: Isn't everybody? I mean, is it, isn't that why somebody like Zach granky didn't really want to go to New York? I mean, I think you can't hide, but I wasn't – correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't there another quiet first baseman in New York, Kevin Moss or uh, – yeah, for was, a while. Yeah. We don't know much about him. So maybe, I mean, I don't know much about him, but maybe he could have existed in that role. But maybe Rob knows better. He just seems like a that's his personality no matter where he would play. Just knows to the grindstone, do his job.
3: Well, I, I think that if you, not necessarily Kevin Moss, but you, if you think of Atino Martinez, and right. if, you, if yeah. you think of the the, the the teams that Kevin Moss didn't play for the World Series teams, Mm-hmm. He, you know did so. Depending on what years he was there, uh, that's that's what makes you the household name is the, the championships, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, he got madly though. He was never he never made the World Series. Yeah, know. but you know what, Donnie Baseball, he was he was there for a long time.
2: He got that uh, long
0: hair.
3: No, yeah. No, you know what? He was Great a cool game. cat. I, I remember the the my very first game at Yankee Stadium. He was playing first base. Al Leiter was pitching. Uh, My first at bat, I popped up a ball to second base. My second at bat, I got a base hit. And I was standing at at first base. And and Natalie said, hey, Rob, you just missed that first one. And and it was like, man, he knows my name. You know, so it was (laughs) he's that type of dude. Eddie Murray, same thing. You know, they were the icons, you know, living icons.
0: Let's uh, stick with first basins.
1: We'll go to Joey Votto. All right, Joey Votto. Um, he's a left handed first baseman born in Toronto. Uh, he's been in the league for 15 years, all with the Cincinnati Reds. During his career, he has led the league in doubles once, walks five times, on base percentage seven times, slugging percentage once, and intentional walks three times. He is a six time All Star, and he won the gold glove in 2011. His Finest season was 2010. Uh, he had 177 hits, 106 runs, 36 doubles, 37 homers, 113 RBIs, 16 stolen bases, and he batted 324. And it was good enough to earn him the Hank Aaron Award and the NLMVP. Uh is known for being a clutch hitter. 13 times he's had the game winning or walk off hit. Uh, he's also known for his plate discipline. Uh, he now sits at 56th place on the all time walks list. Um, Albert Pujols is technically the only player active in 2021 ahead of him. Uh, so he has the hitting 303 lifetime batting average. He can hit for power. He just topped 300 career home runs. He's a very good fielder. He has a, he has a gold glove, great plate discipline. Like I said, he earns many walks and he can come through in a clutch. Uh, just a just an all around complete player and his uh you know his story is not yet written. He's still in the league and he's still playing at a pretty decent level. Rob, Votto is a money player, no doubt. I playing
0: in Cincinnati on a lot of bad teams has not not helped his cause of, of being bigger. But what's it say, like in your opinion, the fact that he's had opportunities to leave and he hasn't?
3: Well, I think the opportunities uh, to leave have, have been go- go- going to the, the, the limelight. You know, the New Yorks, the L.A.s, the, the, the big cities. Joey, knowing Joey, uh, I spent time with him. Uh, obviously, all, all the time that I've spent with these guys has, has been with the Canadian National Program. And the, the, his personality uh, is much more conducive to a city like Cincinnati, Kansas City, Minnesota. That type of, of city. Uh, and he's good with it. And any, and he doesn't need to go to, uh, the, the LAs and the New Yorks. He doesn't need to do that to, to do what he does. So, uh, he's very comfortable in, in his skin and he's going to do it his way. Uh, I think that, uh, what I, I read a story a, a couple of years ago about Launch Angle. And he's not going to try to hit the ball in the air. He's not going to try to do some of the new uh, 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 philosophy type things at the plate. He's going to do what he does, and that's a, a you know a testament to his his belief in his abilities. And you know who, who can argue with that? You know he gets on base. He's, he he drives the ball. He drives runs in. Uh, he's a clutch hitter. Uh, why change something that, that ain't broke, right? so uh, but unfortunately, the way the game is going, regardless of how good you are, some of the the new philosophies are no, you can be better, yeah, but i'm I'm really, really good right now, so I don't want to lose that
0: kevin you're you're the pirates fan, the biggest pirates fan here, probably. So, and, you know, the Reds are same division, rivalry. You've seen Votto in there a lot of times. What are your thoughts on Joey?
5: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I'm not going to knock his, his gameplay because he's definitely a decent player. Um, but, man, he, he's he got a temper issue, man, <laughs> especially when he plays the Pirates. Like, you know, in 2009, I think it was 15. Uh, he got ejected like three times, and all three were against the Pirates. And <laughs> he was he was uh, one of the ones that helped start one of the bench-clearing brawls between us and and the Reds. Um, yeah. But I'm like I'm not gonna knock his play. He's definitely a good player, but he's got a little bit of uh, uh, attitude or aggression or something. But I, I, it's funny because I was watching YouTube just the other day, and a, a video of him popped up. Uh, he went to go catch a foul ball. And uh, it was like literally right over the wall. Like he could literally reach over grab it. one of the fans stuck their hand up, blocked it from him. And Joey, Joey just looked at him with like a, a blank stare and grabbed his shirt because it, it was a red shirt. It was a Reds fan, and he's like, and he shook his shirt and he's like, "Dude, you're a Reds fan." And he turned around and walked away and shook his head. And I thought it was little dude. Everyone in the stands around that guy started laughing. The dude got all embarrassed. I thought it was pretty funny, but um. Yeah, no. uh he's a good player, but man, he's he's been pretty feisty with my Pirates over the years.
1: Yeah, no, I, mean, I think that's part of uh, you know a testament to his passion. I mean,
5: he's he's got his teammates' back. You know, he's you know he's he's fired up. You can tell he wants to win. Yeah, but he's also getting ejected, so it doesn't really help him win. Well, I, I know what you're saying,
1: but you know, it's, like I said, sometimes you have to have your teammates' backs.
5: I agree.
0: All right, let's move on to another first baseman. A lot of first baseman's coming out of Canada, apparently. <laughs> uh, so it's going to be Freddie Freeman, another active player, uh still playing, still playing at a high level. He is having a bit of a down start to the season this year, but he is coming off an MVP year. He was MVP last year uh, of the, I guess we'll call it the, the COVID season, however we want to call that. But he debuted for the Braves on uh, September 1st, 2010. He went 0-3 that day. It wasn't a good start. But uh, in his fourth game, he got his first hit, and then he got his first home run off of, you know, God rest his soul, Roy, Roy Holiday, um, you know, hitting a homer off that guy. that That's a ball worth keeping. Um, and if you Google Freddie Freeman right now, sadly, you're going to see that he was just struck out by Anthony Rizzo, who is not a pitcher. But, you know, we're not going to hold that against him. Uh, So he's a four-time All-Star. He's only 31 years old, so he'll probably bag another two, maybe three, before it's all said and done. He's led the league in hits, doubles two times, runs. He's got a gold glove, two Silver Slugger awards, um, and, of course, the MVP that I mentioned. um, And he's been top ten another four times in MVP voting. Uh, He's a two-time Wilson Defensive Player awards winner. He's got a Hank Aaron award. He made the all uh, major league baseball team. He also made the all second major league baseball team and he's 27th all time in fielding percentage at first base. So if you think about how many first basemen have played through the years to be in the top 50, that's, that's really good. Um, And he's he's building a, a, in my opinion, a a no doubt case that he's going to be in the hall of fame one day. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, I know that that's that's hard to say, but but I, I'm I'm gonna stick with it. Um, and you know he's one of the he's a lefty power hitter. And in today's baseball world, if you're a lefty and you're a power hitter, they're playing the shift on you defensively. But they don't really do that against Freeman because he's the guy that can just hit it pretty much wherever he wants all over the field. And that's that's rare this day and age for for lefty power hitters. But he's he's a good ball player. He's probably got another five six years uh, at a high level playing, and it just depends on how long he wants to play for after that. But you know, he's a great dancer, great dancer as well. So, uh, yeah. check him out on um, Dan Douglas's wedding video on YouTube. The boy it down, and uh, he was a Chili Davis fan growing up. And I know that was one of Kevin's favorite players, he had over a hundred of his baseball cards. So, I just thought that was kind of neat, but I like him. I think, uh, I'm not going to say he's the best first baseman we're talking about today, but he is in this conversation for sure. Um, And I I think he deserves a a shot at being on this Mount Rushmore tonight. But, Rob, what's your thoughts on Freeman? I mean, he he is still active, like we said. Do you see him maybe one day hitting that Hall of Fame?
3: Well, I, I, I think that when you're talking about, you know, big, strong, I mean, he's a big man. Uh, big, strong left-handed hitters. You, you, you think of the McGriff's of the world and you think of big, you know, big power hitters. Um, uh, the the thing I like about Freddie is he's, he's a really good hitter. And he uses the whole field. Uh, he, he's not afraid to if everyone's over here play schoolyard baseball. Okay. Everyone's going to over here. I'm going to hit it over here. So, uh, and that's how you win games. He's going to help a team win a game. Uh, uh, I, I think that if, if there's any knock on my part, I'd like to see him hit more home runs. He's probably got the ability to hit 40 to 50 home runs. Um, but, you know, you, you go back to the, the Ichiro or, or Wade Boggs scenario uh, where they were good with hitting, you know, 340, 350. They could have hit a lot more home runs if they wanted to. And, and, you know, that could have been a knock on, on their game as well. But if, I, if I'm if i a teammate of Freddie's, yeah, it's great that he hits 300. But, dude, you have the ability to hit 50. Go ahead and hit 50 and, and maybe hit 285, to 275. So what? You're going to hit 50 and drive in, you know, uh, uh, 120 uh, as opposed to I think he's only driven in – a uh, hundred runs, uh, one two times in his career. So that that to me, that production, that big left-handed hitter, and the you know, and the harder your your lineup, I want him to be able to drive in you know 110, 120 runs a year.
0: That, that is a good solid argument there. <laughs> uh, a, that, that's a good one. Brian, what what are your thoughts on that? You think he should uh, be swinging for the fences a little more? Because we know you just represented Votto. That's 300 homers there.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Rob makes a pretty good case for that for sure. And uh, I'm sure that the Atlanta wouldn't have minded having a few more home runs uh, during that collapse in the playoffs last season. That's for sure.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, the Rays could have used it too, but
0: I digress. All right, let's move on to uh, our only closer of the night, Eric Gagne.
2: Oh, man, Eric Gagne, he's a little quirky. I think the best way to talk about Eric is to channel Eric. (laughs) Um, Interesting thing about Eric is he actually started his career as a starter, but then in 2002, he was converted to a closer. But, I mean, we're talking about, you know – Whether or not he was quirk, he had a lot of personality, and he did. He was pretty dominant. Uh, Career opposing batting average of 219. He has a 2003 Cy Young Award. Uh, When Gagne would come in, usually, I guess, about the eighth or ninth inning at Dodger Stadium, they're playing. uh, They would put on the scoreboard game over, and then they would start playing at the top of the – speaker system, some type of Guns N' Roses song. It was like, Welcome to the Jungle or something like that. So this guy was like your – kind of reminds me of like maybe Rob Dibble or something like that. But uh, they it was pretty locked down there for a while. He, he's got some some solid stats. I'm not saying he's the best closer ever, but uh, career, career war of 11.7. He ended up having 33 wins, 26 losses. I think a really good solid ERA, 3.47. He appeared in 402 games. He ended up having 48 starts, 187 state saves. I would, I would like to see him with a few more saves. I looked at some of the top-ranking closer, and he wasn't really near that. But 187 uh, saves, uh, 643 innings, had 718 strikeouts, and a whip of 1.156. Um I think I have one more stat here. Oh, it's not really that important. He might have been on the Mitchell Report for HGH, but he never really confirmed it. So I don't think there's much really to talk about with that. <laughs> <laughs> Rob,
0: what, what are your thoughts on Gagne? For a while there, he had quite a fastball.
3: You know what? When you're talking about for a run of a couple of years there, it, like as dominant as you can be. Uh, and you, you hit the nail on the head as far as when you said dominant. When, when he came in the game, the game was over. And, and uh, you know, you might as well start walking to the parking lot uh, uh, because it was 100 miles an hour, and it was a wipeout slider. <laughs> and I don't even know if he had a splitter, but it, it was – the game was over. Um, he stood on the mound with a lot of confidence, and uh, it was – the game was over. Uh, that's the type of closer – uh, mentality, you say quirkiness, but that's a type of mentality that closers, good closers have. Uh, they, they come in a game, it, it's, it's not easy to be a closer. Not easy. Oh, it, oh, this guy's, you know, he throws hard, he's got, you know, really good breaking ball, but uh, to be a closer, you have to have a certain mentality. And he was just left of center enough to be really good for, for a, a period of time.
0: Paul, did you say he had a Cy Young?
2: Yep, 2003.
0: Right, right. Kevin, this is an opinionated question for you here. What's it say to you that Gagne has a Cy Young and Mariano Rivera has zero?
5: (sighs) Mariano Rivera, man, he's he's one of the best closers in baseball, if not the best closer. So that's very surprising. Though, I don't know if Paul had mentioned this. I'm actually going to give your guy kudos for once. Um, In 2003, he was called upon for 55 attempts to save a game. He actually won and saved all 55 of those. Um, and he's the fastest pitcher to reach the 100-save plateau. Uh, so that's pretty impressive. Um, now, Rivera, I mean, like I said, he's hands down, if not the best closer in baseball. I'm, I'm actually very shocked by that.
1: I think Rivera just had, I mean, he, he was dominant for so much longer. You know, and maybe he didn't quite have the peak that Gagne had for that one year, that one, you know, couple years there. But Mariano, I mean, he's still, I mean, the, the Sandman. You know, he's just a legend. Yeah, that's
0: right. That's why he was on our Mount Rushmore for the Yankees. So that's right. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's stick with pitching. Let's go to Ferguson Jenkins.
1: All right, Ferguson Jenkins, uh, right-handed pitcher out of Chatham, Canada. Uh, he pitched the majors for 19 seasons uh, with the Cubs, Phillies, Rangers, and Red Sox. He led the league and wins twice, games started three times, complete games four times, strikeouts once, whip once, uh, and lowest average walks per nine innings five times. This guy was really good at not walking people. Um, he was named to the all-star team three times. His number 31 is retired by the Cubs, and he's in the Texas Rangers Hall of Fame. So two franchises have him honored. Um, his finest season was 1971. He had a record of 24-13. and He had 30 complete games, three shutouts. He only averaged uh, one walk per nine innings. Uh, He had a ratio of 7.11 Ks per walk, which that was uh, league leading. He had an ERA of 2.77, and it was enough to earn him the Cy Young Award uh, that year. Uh, There are only four pitchers in Major League history to record more than 3,000 Ks and have less than 1,000 walks. That's Greg Maddox, Kirk Schilling, Pedro Martinez, and Ferguson Jacobs. So that's a heck of a, a lineup to be with there. Uh, not only was Ferguson a baseball great, uh, but he could also uh, he could hoop a little bit too. Um, he was with the Harlem Globetrotters from uh, 1967 to 1969. He played with them during the offseason. Um, in 1991, he became the first Canadian-born player to ever be honored in Cooperstown. Um, and he has he had uh, uh, 284 wins, which is the most for a black pitcher. So he you know he he definitely uh, hit a couple major milestones there.
6: Bob, obviously
0: he's a little before our time here, <laughs> but uh, you know what are your thoughts on him? He's a very good starting pitcher. You heard the accolades there.
3: Uh, it's, it's not very good, not very good. Uh, 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 when you're talking about Mount Rushmore. He is in there. He's there. There's no doubt about it in my mind uh, that he is one of, you know, the best baseball players, pitcher, uh, 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 position player, whatever, baseball players to come out of Canada. And uh, the reason why I say that is back then, baseball in Canada was not very popular. You know, most of the guys that we're talking about uh, this evening that are Canadian went through the Canadian National Program, which uh, Greg Hamilton and, and, and uh, the Canadian Program have done a wonderful job developing players and giving them opportunities to go to school. Uh, but when, when Ferguson came, through, came, came up in the game, there weren't many Canadians. Now, it, being Canadian is kind of mainstream. When I came up, there weren't, there was only, I think, three or four guys in, in the big leagues uh, that were Canadian Terry Poole, Kurt McCaskill, and even Kurt was, uh, I think, uh, uh, either born in Canada and raised in the US, uh, but not, you know, full fledged uh, uh, Canadian. So you, you can't say enough for someone that reached the the, the heights of the, the national game here in the US from a country that can't uh, baseball wasn't a popular sport. So, uh, pioneer, uh, kudos to him. I mean, tremendous, tremendous, uh, uh career. And obviously in the the Hall of Fame, not just a Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, not just uh, a Texas Ranger or, or a Chicago. Uh, Cubs Hall of Fame, but the actual baseball Hall of Fame
0: it's a beautiful thing yeah. Brian I, I was gonna ask Paul this he, he crashed he's trying to get back on now so let me ask you if you are starting a team and you have to take a pitcher as your first pick you taking a starter or a closer
1: I, I think a starter for sure I mean you got to have that guy that's going to be able to take you into the late innings and, and I mean Ferguson would not be a bad choice you look at all those complete games he had. I mean, all those games started, you know, I, I mean, he was just a guy that was, he could go out there and he could work and he could last you, uh, you know, all nine innings, you know, I mean, that's, that's something that's, that's hard to put a premium on.
2: I agree. Well, Mike, Michael, I,
1: I, I have a comment. He
2: wouldn't yeah. do that
3: in, in today's game, Brian. Oh, that, Absolutely. You're right about that. Yeah, he absolutely. Would, he wouldn't be able problem. to do that in today's game. The, mm-hmm. the, the guys that, uh, whether it's the Maddox of, of the world, the Pedros, the, uh, Randy Johnson's, the, the Kurt Schillings, uh, the Nolan Ryan's, they don't exist now because of the analytics, uh, and, uh, you go through the, the lineup twice and you're done, uh, that type of thing. Those guys, some of those guys got better as, as they got, went along and they got more dominant, you know, in the seventh, eighth, ninth inning. Um, so that wouldn't have happened. Unfortunately, yeah. I, wish that we, I, I wish that we would kind of get back towards that. But I think the the mentality of of the, the starting pitching in today's game. Well, I only have to go five, and I did my job. Quality start. <laughs> yeah. And so they shut it down, even though they're bigger, they're stronger. They, they you know they work out, they take care of themselves, they do all the things that uh, uh, we we probably should have back in the day, but didn't didn't think we thought weight training was wasn't good for us, but they're bigger, stronger. Uh, they have all the, the technology to help them go longer. But we said, no, 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 we're going we're gonna to back them off to, to not risk injury. And guys are still breaking down. Guys still get hurt. Um, right. But I would like to see starting pitching like that. I like to have four of those guys in my starting lineup. Give me four furries, and I'm going to win a World Series.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not worried about pitch counts. <laughs>
0: yeah, right, right, all right, Let's move on to uh our, our youngest player that we're talking about today,
5: Vlad Guerrero Jr. So I want you guys, you guys, gotta think outside the box with this guy. You know, yes, he's a young player. He's kind of fresh into the league, um but the man's got power, and he's the son of the great Vladimir Guerrero Sr., who's a Hall of Famer. Um, I full believe he's going to follow in the footsteps of his dad and ultimately end up in the Hall of Fame in the future too. So born in 99, young player, younger than than me. Um, uh, first baseman and third baseman for the Blue Jays. Um, so he's even still playing in Canada. Um, he actually was born in Canada, unlike Freddie Freeman, who Michael represented, just saying. Um, he, <laughs> like I said, he's the son of Va- Va- Vladimir Guerrero Sr., Made his major league debut in uh, April 2019, uh, but in 2015, Baseball America ranked Guerrero as the top international free agent, um, and MLB.com ranked him the fourth best. Um, 2016 minor league season, Guerrero made uh, his professional debut uh, in the minors on June 23rd. He hit his uh, first uh, professional home run um, August. Uh, he recorded his first multi-home run game. Um, Later in August, he was named to the Appalachian League's All-Star as third baseman. Uh, The MLB named Guerrero the third best prospect at third base heading into the 2017 minor league season. Uh, He was named to the world team roster for the 2017 All-Star Futures game. Um, 2019, the Blue Jays announced that Guerrero would be called up uh, from AAA on April 26th. um, And he was considered the top prospect in all of professional baseball prior to being called up, Um, and at 20 years of age and 59 days, he became the youngest Blue Jay to hit a home run. Guerrero's four home runs over a six-game road trip earned him the American League Player of the Week award that year as well and made him the youngest Blue Jay to win that award. On July 8th, he broke the single-round home run record in a home run derby with a total of 40 home runs after three overtimes in the in semifinals against Jock Peterson. This dude has power. He also broke the record for the most home runs in the Derby with 91 home runs in a home run Derby. Now, a lot of players, they, they do tend to hold back in the home run Derby, which I think, I mean, the fans are there to see you hit home runs, like hit them, and he definitely did that. He almost had triple digits uh, in the home run derby, uh, he hit a ball uh, with the second highest exit velocity, 119 miles per hour um, of all the balls hit by major league hitters in 2019. Uh, and, and just I think it was about a week ago. Yeah. On the 27th, Gro hit his first career three homer game, uh, um, including a grand slam against Washington Nationals starter Max Scherzer, who's a great pitcher as well. Uh, to go along with seven RBIs on that day. He's currently batting three thirty-seven with seven home runs in 26 games, on-base percentage .486, slugging percentage .628. Uh, career to date, he's batting two seventy-eight with 31 home runs and 120 RBIs in 209 games. Uh, he only played 60 games last season due to COVID. He missed 20 games that first season in 2019 because he was still in the minors before he got called up, um, and he's only played 26 games so far this season. This kid is young, up and coming. The Blue Jays are excited for him. Um, he's following footsteps of his father for sure. He's got the power. He hits the home runs. Um, he's going to be definitely somebody to watch for. And I think he could be an upset to get into this Mount Rushmore tonight.
0: Rob, do you think there's more pressure or less pressure on him having to be great because his father was great?
3: Probably More. But the, 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 the good part about that is he's playing with two other guys that are in the same boat, Biggio and, and uh, uh, Bichette. So his – and and they actually – they came up together. So being with the Phillies, I, I got a chance to see these guys play in spring training during the course of the se- season when they were in the A-ball. And uh, uh, the Blue Jays did, did a wonderful job as far as drafting – in signing, they didn't draft him, they signed him as a free agent, but signing these sons of really, really good major league players. And they're they're reaping the rewards for that right now. Um, I, I think that he has to, This guy's the limit as far as his best position is in a batter's box. But uh, he needs to be disciplined as far as uh, gaining weight in the offseason. Uh, taking care of his body, making sure that he's a mainstay at a position uh, defensively so that, uh, you know, he doesn't want to be a, a – or you don't want to have him as a 23-year-old DH. You know, you, you want to make sure that that he has the ability to to be a functionable uh, position player at, at some position. Uh, so that would be my only concern long-term with him – is, is if, if he doesn't develop into a, a, a adequate defender. Go ahead. Let, let me put your,
5: let me put your, your mind at ease a little bit here on that one. Uh, I'm actually <laughs> glad you said that because uh, he actually lost 42 pounds this last season. Okay. 42. So he's taking it seriously. Now uh, His. is uh Coach and, and grandmother, if they've been helping him, it's like I mean he's, he's kind of his his grandmother's cooking for him basically and <laughs> making sure that he eats healthy. Um, but he he lost forty two pounds uh, going into this. He he said last off season like he sat sat down and was like yeah like this is not good. I need to change, and okay. he he did forty two pounds. That's pretty big. Um, and he looks stronger. He's lighter on his feet, running good, moving around. Um, and and Ranker has him as number six best Canadian player right now. So. And he's young.
3: No, that's, that that that's that's kudos to him, you know. And and uh, that's the probably the the thing that I would have had concerns over, even though I, I don't, I haven't seen him recently. But that would have been my only concern with him. Yeah.
0: Paul, we just heard the names: Biggio, Bichette, Guerrero, Tatis Jr. is in the league. This isn't 1990. This is 2020. <laughs> yeah. I mean, does that make you like these guys more, knowing that, you know, we grew up watching their 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 fathers play in this game?
2: It sure is fun. I mean, it's this, everybody loves nostalgia. But um, I was thinking about what Rob said, too, about the pressure. And before he – so we were playing softball, actually, with Dante Bichette down here in St. Pete before he got hired again with uh, Toronto to be the hitting instructor there, I guess. And he was telling me – almost that same thing, but with Guerrero, he felt like, and I guess he would know because Bo's playing right beside him, but he felt like the kid's head was on totally straight. He knew what he had to do. He didn't let it get, he wouldn't let the past get to him, and he wanted to improve and put the work in. So hopefully what Kevin's saying is accurate and that he's kind of starting to take care of his body and stuff like that. So I think it is fun, and I think that, Pretty soon, we'll be talking about these guys instead of their dads.
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, man, that makes me feel old. <laughs> yeah, it, does. it let's, does. Let's move on to our final player tonight. And uh, I'm representing him, and he was born in Canada. He's born in Toronto, <laughs> Kevin. So, about
2: time you start playing by the rules.
0: That's yeah. right. <laughs> so that's Russell Martin. As I said, he's a catcher, four-time All-Star, gold glove, silver slugger, three times in the top 25 for MVP voting. Two-time Wilson Defensive Player of the Year. Eighth all-time in putouts for catchers. All-time, not just in a season, all-time. Led the league in assists four times. Six times he led the league in throwing out uh, base runners. So, you know, he had quite an arm on him. Um, so I, he doesn't get as much play as other catchers from his time, like Buster Posey or, or Molina, but he was just important to his team as those guys – uh, he might not have hit as well as they did, but he certainly, in my opinion, called an amazing game for for pitchers. Um, you know, he's a great fielding catcher. His, his value because of his defense, to me, is 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 worth a whole a whole lot. And and he is underrated in my opinion. I I, I feel he was almost as good at fielding as Pudge Rodriguez, who's you know, one of the best all time. Pudge could hit as well, of course. But um, what I will say for hitting, he is maybe remembered more than any player we're talking about tonight for one single play. And that was the 2013 wild card game against the Cincinnati Reds. I know it's one of Kevin's most favorite videos to watch. Russell Martin comes up to bat the, the, Pittsburgh Pirates crowd are giving it really hard to Johnny Cueto, the pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds.
4: Cueto. Cueto. <laughs> yeah. so
0: the catcher throws the ball back to Cueto, and, and Cueto drops the ball. You know, the crowd goes wild. And then his next pitch, Martin just absolutely crushes the ball, hits a home run. Pretty much that just set the tone for the, the rest of the game, and the Pirates win their first playoff game in, in – gosh, 20, what was it, 20-some 20 years? 21, 22 years. Yeah. 22 years. Oh, man, that, that, that's sad. But, yeah, so that was a big, big hit in, in Pittsburgh Pirate history in the last 20 years, um, 30 years, really. So he, he is remembered for that, um, that one hit. But he was a great fielder, and I think that just because his name might not be as big as some of those other catchers, He was, as I said earlier, just as valuable to his team as those guys. So, Rob, what's your thoughts on you know the fielders? They just don't get as much play as someone who goes up there like a Piazza who couldn't field for anything, but he hits forty bombs a year, so he's automatically a great player.
3: You know, Russ uh, uh, was a third baseman converted to a catcher, Uh, and so uh, his athleticism. Tremendous dancer. That wasn't in your profile. <laughs> tremendous, <laughs> a, a tremendous dancer. Uh, he was a young, young uh, player in 2004 uh, with the Olympic team. And he got a ration of, of crap from the older guys like myself. But he took it in stride, no problem. Um, listen, when, when you play for the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Toronto Blue Jays, he's a Canadian, you play for the Toronto Blue Jays. When you just say, I played for, and I think you played for maybe two more teams, uh, but uh, you played for, you know, those teams. What What more can you say? I never played for the Dodgers. I never played for the Yankees. I wish that I did. But uh, I, those those teams, and, and he was a mainstay on, on those clubs. So uh, Russ a uh, tremendous leader, uh, had his teammates back all the time. And, and you listen to some of his, his uh, uh, interviews during the times that he played, and it, was, it wasn't about him. It was about his teammates. It was about winning. And I think that overwhelming the group of guys that we've discussed tonight, it was, you know, maybe it's the Canadian in us. But it's about team. It's about winning. It's about uh, being part of something bigger than oneself. And uh, definitely Russ was one of those guys.
0: Okay, let's, uh, let's move into our, our pick here for Mount Rushmore. Rob, we're going to each pick one, and then you get to pick your own four. And then we'll, we'll see how that compares to ours. Uh, Kevin, you got first
4: pick.
5: Well, I mean, you already know how I'm going with It's hands down, easy pick, Larry Walker. He's the best one that we talked about tonight. So, Larry Walker. Okay,
2: Paul. Well, can't pick Larry, but um, Brian's stats on Ferguson was so good it blew my computer up, and I had to rejoin. So, uh, (laughs) and plus he's such a trailblazer with the uh, in the African community, African American community, and just Cy Young winner. I think he's, I think he's it in my opinion. Besides me, besides Larry. Okay. I'm gonna go with, um, gosh, I- I'm going with
0: Joey Votto, uh, 300 homers, and yeah, I know that, and his career isn't done yet. Uh, um, that's he-, he he could get to 400, maybe maybe even push 500. He's only what 32 ish, 33 maybe. Somewhere in I there, think he's a
1: little bit of that. Yeah. A little bit
0: of that. Oh, okay. So, well, still 300 homers, playing on teams that weren't very good, and and
1: I'm impressed by him, so I'm going with Otto. So that takes it to you, Brian. Okay. Well, I'm I'm going to go with Freeman. Um, I'm not going to worry about that technicality that Kevin was bringing up, uh, but yeah, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Freeman. I mean, he's just sort of you know, he picked up the torch from Chipper Jones there in Atlanta, and he's he's the leader on that team now, and and um. Yeah, I mean, you know, great, great batteries, good fielder. You know, he's he's really a total, total package. Okay, so Walker Jenkins
0: Votto Freeman for us. What are you taking, Rob?
1: Oh, uh, man, in this
3: order. In I'm this order, go, oh,
4: okay.
3: I'm gonna go Larry Walker, Ferguson Jenkins.
4: Um.
3: Joey Votto, and
2: Gagne.
4: Gagne, oh, okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Rob is so smart. I mean, this is one of the smartest guests I've ever.
3: No, I, you know what? <laughs> I, I, I saw it. It was it was just it was that dominating. So you
2: want to you want to say it to Eric? Yeah, give me a little down. bit more of that. Yeah,
4: give me a little bit more. <laughs>
2: Thank you, Rob. Hey, Rob, this right. is Eric. Thank you. <laughs> let's uh, let's move into our Q and A.
0: Um, Kevin, you're in my top left corner. Why don't you start us out?
5: <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, 1986, uh, you won the Tip O'Neill Award. Um, what was that? What was that like for you? How, what do you feel about that?
3: Q and A with me? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know what? Um, uh, it was, it was announced. Obviously today's, today's world is a lot different than the, that world. As you know, as far as communication, uh, I I actually learned about the award uh, at the end of the year, and I was uh, I thought it was really really cool because I, I got a chance to go to Toronto to accept the award, and and uh, I I met uh, Jackie Robinson's uh, uh, wow. widow Rachel at that time, uh, and the following day I made my major league debut, so it was like a whirlwind. Of, uh, of events that, uh, uh, when I did win that award, but I really, really honored and uh, didn't really realize what it meant. I was young, you know, I was 20, 21 years old at that time. And, uh, you know, pretty cool.
0: It was Mrs. Robinson who presented it to you, wasn't it? Yes. Oh, that, that's an honor there. Wow. That,
1: that's incredible. Um, Brian, go ahead. Okay, um, in your opinion, who, who were the three best pitchers you ever faced? And um, who was a good pitcher that, that you got the better of at the plate? Well, uh,
3: one of them was the same guy, Mike Musina. Obviously, you know, just inducted to the Hall of Fame. I, I hit him really well. Uh, I hit a couple home runs off of him. Uh, my role, specific role, was to face the Sunday day game right-handed pitcher or the top of the, the line, uh, the Clemens, the Kevin Browns, uh, the, the Andy bennis type uh, guys, the, the 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 better starters. Uh, so as far as right-handers, because being left-handed, so I would say uh, Musina, Kevin Brown, Roger Clemens uh, were probably the best guys that I faced. I faced Randy Johnson in the minor leagues, but. Uh, those three guys were, were arguably the, you know, the best guys and they were Hall of Fame type type guys.
2: Paul? I saw that one stat, two home runs and 11 at-bats off Messina. I mean, you own that guy. You might as well just say it, <laughs> I own them. There's another night I'm thinking of too as I was looking at your stats where you were just, you were on fire. And I'm wondering if the night, this night stands out to you like it does to me if we're thinking of the same ones. Was there a night or a game where you just felt like you could do no wrong and everything was falling into place?
3: Well, I know you're you're probably talking about I got five hits one night.
4: Yeah. Yeah, August 24th, 1999.
3: No, you know what? I got a chance to play. uh, Doug Lanville went on the DL. I got a chance to play a little bit. And that's that's when I got a chance to play when guys got hurt. Uh, That was my role. So not an issue with that. I'm very happy that I, I got a chance to play for a long period of time. But that particular night, had you seen those hits, you wouldn't have been so impressed.
4: Doesn't but,
3: matter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there was there was a blooper. There was a you know a CNI single. Uh, Tony Gwen was playing right field and he, he couldn't catch up to a five ball that I hit. Talking. Bob uh, Euchre called those all rockets. I, okay, those were <laughs> rockets. Yes. Hey uh, man, i if I'm very
2: going five for six in the MLB. One. I'm telling everybody. <laughs>
3: I should have got six hits. The best ball that I hit that night, uh, uh, Rivera, uh, Ruben Rivera, who was playing center field, he ran it down and left center field. Uh, I should have hit a – I should have got six hits that night. <laughs>
0: nice. uh, so being born in Canada, what did it mean to you to get to play for both Canadian teams, the, the Expos, unfortunately, who are no longer around, and the Toronto Blue Jays?
3: Uh, that was uh, obviously the, the – Uh, I began my career with Toronto and I ended my career with Montreal. Um, A tremendous honor being able to play uh, in your country, playing for both the the teams that uh, are in your country. Uh, I wish, and I I say this often, I wish that I was a little bit more mature as a Blue Jay uh, because I was young and, and, you know, I didn't know, you know, you know, you know, what to expect. I didn't grow up in a baseball atmosphere. Um, I wish that I, I would have been able to play more there. But we we had such good teams that, you know, that, that wasn't the case. Uh, we had tremendous players, you know, at, at that time. But to be one of the only players, uh, Canadian-born players ever to play for both of those professional teams, tremendous honor for me
0: you have time for one more each?
4: Yeah. I'm at home.
0: Okay, great, great. <laughs> Kevin. Yeah, no problem.
5: <laughs> so I was looking, uh, it looks like um, you had uh, a career year in 1990 with the Phillies. And at one point, your, your batting average uh, in 99 was, was over 300 at one point. So what do you think was clicking for you there uh, to get that year going?
3: Uh, early in my career, I, I had I- – I had more playing time after I came back from Japan. I don't know whether you realize I went to Japan for two years. But I went to Japan in 95 and – no, 95 and 6. And uh, I I saw a lot of breaking balls over there. I saw the best pitching uh, overall consistently over there than here in in the U.S. Uh, The following year, I went to Seattle, got a chance to play with – Griffey A-Rod, uh, you know, and that the host of other All-Stars that were on that club. Uh, learned a lot there. Uh, got a the chance to, to, to work with some, uh, some hitting coaches that made things make sense to me. Uh, and then I went to Philadelphia. Uh, two years in Seattle, went to Philly. And uh, it was my very first year in the National League, and I had to learn how in that role, how to do things, and uh, because of Japan, because of the years that I was in Seattle, uh, I was much more equipped to 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 have a, a better approach at the plate. I I had a, an approach, whereas prior to that, I really didn't have one. You know, ninety from '87 to you know '95, I didn't have an approach. I just went up there and battled. Um, but now I, I learned how to hit later in my my career. So that being said, that's why I had a, a a better opportunity to be successful later in my career.
1: Brian, uh, the uh, the collision at the plate with uh, Scott Bradley. Um, can you uh, tell us about that? Come on. <laughs>
3: so I'm on second I'm on second base and. We're in Seattle. Uh, Griffey has caught every single ball that's hit in the in the vicinity of center field that series. So uh, Dave Parker is hitting. He hits a line drive to center field, and I hesitate at second. I'm thinking, okay, I know that Griffey's out there. Is he going to make this play or not? And I think it. You know, one hopped him out there in center field, and I hesitated, taking off, and and John McLaren. Uh, Waved me around. Uh, I do not remember hitting him. Uh, he was a little shorter than I was. Uh, he's not that much shorter, but he was a little shorter. And he tucked his his head, and my chin hit the top of his helmet. And I was out in the air, back of my head. I watched it, I know this because I watched the video. Uh, back back of my head bounced off home plate a couple times, and uh, uh, that wasn't that wasn't fun. I had concussion. Uh, symptoms probably till almost spring training
1: the following year. Did he like ever reach out and, and talk about it with you or anything? Or no, no. heck, <laughs> <about the> <laughs>
4: that's no, just baseball the game.
3: It wasn't, oh, let me let me text him and you know, like I <laughs> just heard what happened, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, let me text him see if he's okay.
0: No. Nah, nah. Now nowadays the catcher will move out of the way and clean the plate for you so you can step on it.
3: So, <laughs> no, you know what? I I understand the, the the safety aspects, the Posey rules, and I get that. Uh, but the when I, I I see some of the plays that were back in the day, Hal mcrae going into second base and and barrel rolling and taking guys out. Uh, collisions at home plate. Um, hardball was hardball, and uh, I I think that uh, depending on who that player is that gets hurt, then the establishment says, okay, we need to change how we do things. Now, if it's Joe Blow from Kokomo that gets hurt on that exact same play, no one says anything. So that the depending on who it happens to. And correct me if I'm wrong. I, if I'm wrong, then I'm, I'm wrong. But
0: No, you're wrong. Tom Brady rule football.
3: Yeah. taking taken I, out that
0: one year and on his knee, and boom, they changed the rules. So.
3: Correct. So depending on who it is, and, it, well, these players, you know, they, they bring in the, the revenue. They, they're a draw. Well, uh, the best player in the world is going to play. Whether he's really good or not compared to someone else, he's the best player in the world. So – uh, it's the nature of the beast.
4: Yeah.
3: In my opinion. Paul, oh, go ahead.
2: Just a quick two-parter. I've been to Toronto, but not Montreal. Was there any difference between the two cities or was it just pretty much stadium differences? And then earlier with Brian, you mentioned playing in Japan. And I think you, you kind of alluded to the fact that it helped you with your approach at the plate. Is that your big takeaway from over there or did it help you with other fundamentals and, and – baseball mentality, uh, aspects,
3: uh, Montreal and Toronto, two totally different cities. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no question about that. Um, two, when I went there in 2001, uh, the expos weren't the, the expos of when Larry was there in 94, 90, 93, 94, um, as far as success, uh, Blue Jays when I was with them, it was the hottest tick in town, sold out every night. Uh, Skydome, uh, uh, I know it's Rogers Center now, or, or it could be a different name, who knows. Uh, yeah. But Skydome, you know, 50,000 people every night. Uh, even Exhibition Stadium, they, they sold out every night, 34,000 every night. Uh, so difference in, uh, uh, as far as the clubs that, that I was on, no no there was totally different um, and I, I didn't spend a lot of time in montreal uh, mm-hmm. i got hurt so uh, i didn't spend a lot, a lot of time there but uh, i i wish that i would have i wish that i would have you know spent my whole career in toronto who knows but that being said uh the experience in in japan was very beneficial for me um uh, I, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a, a lot about patience. I learned a lot. Uh, it was probably the loneliest time of my life.
4: Mm. because
3: We were there, uh, I was there with uh, two other foreign players on my team. Uh, one was a starting pitcher and he only came in and uh, I only saw him when he pitched. Uh, he, he didn't spend a lot of time with me, uh, with me, you know, traveling with the, with the club. Uh, he was on his own program. And one other uh, Latin player became really, really good friends with him, Bernardo Brito from the, the Dominican. He was a longtime uh, Minnesota twin uh, farmhand and tremendous power. Uh, but we were the only two foreign position players on our team. We were there to help a team win. We weren't there uh, to, to make friends. We weren't there to meet families. We weren't there to 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 go out with them uh you know, after games uh, to eat. Uh, we were there to help them win. And that was it. So I learned a lot about myself there. Uh, I learned a lot about, uh, you know, dealing with adversity. And uh, I, I, I wouldn't give that experience back for, for anything, for any of my baseball experiences. My life is what it is because of this game. So, to say, oh, uh, you know, to cry over spilt milk, I wish that I could have done this or that. No, ah. my, I, I have my family because of, of baseball. I met my wife in Venezuela playing winter ball. We have three kids. Uh, I live in Florida. Um, baseball has been better, better, good to me.
0: <laughs> so we're we're podcast based out of the Tampa area, maybe – Maybe we can get you some business or whatever. So what is it that you're doing nowadays now that you're, you're retired from baseball, obviously?
3: I just got my life insurance license and doing uh, financial services. So debt solutions, 401k rollovers, annuities, uh, mostly life insurance uh, uh, term and uh, uh, whole life. So universals. So uh, I I think that... I don't want to invest money. Everyone thinks oh you want to they want to no no, I want to help people protect their money. I want to help people protect their families. I want to I want to help people with debt solution. We have a debt solution company that we're associated with. I want to make sure that uh you know I've when I was oh gosh, I don't even know how old I was, but when my mother passed away, I had to pay for her funeral. And uh, she didn't have a, a, a death benefit, uh, so I had to pay for it. Fortunately enough for me, I, I could. Most people can't. Most people can't do that. Uh, and I, I want to try to make sure that everyone has the ability to talk to someone uh, for advice. Uh, and it's not just for the wealthy. It's for everyone. Uh, so... My services uh, are gratis uh, and trying to find a solution to any issue that you have.
0: Excellent. Well, if you're listening to this and, and you live in the, in the Florida, you know maybe the Tampa area, Google him, you'll find his name and you, you can get in touch with him and, and maybe get some life insurance. That'd be great. So we want to thank, <laughs> thank everybody for watching us tonight. You know, YouTube, iHeart. Spotify, Facebook, we're, we're everywhere now. It's amazing how far we've come in, in a little over a year. And we want to thank Rob Ducey for joining us tonight. Just very good conversation, and you know you're Canadian baseball, so that, that was really great. Thank you for
2: coming on.
3: Oh, Michael, thank you. Thank you. G-
2: okay, everybody, welcome to Ones, Wins, Lacey Battle. Thank you very much for... Come to see us. If you did, you're back to see us. So five or six you up there already. Right? Uh, That's right. Woo! Want to talk about Mr. Rob Deuce's charity involved with us. Uh, if you're interested in donating, let me get the website right here, OperationHeartfelt.com. Heartfelt standing for Feeding Empty Little Tummies. So this is a nonprofit organization, 5013C. Uh, annually, they feed about 260,000 children. Most children in this, uh, that are helped by this program are uh, reliant on school lunches uh, for their food. So this program steps in on the weekends and during extended breaks and holidays and provides free meals to the children and their families. So this is a very important organization. Uh, it takes care of these kids who sometimes go without meals uh, during the holidays and on weekends. Or scrounging for food. So it's something we take for granted, but it's a great charity. You can find them on Facebook. And once again, the website is operationheartfelt.com. Thanks everybody.
6: All right, we also have uh, a 50-50 raffle going on right now, as well as some raffle prizes to uh, collect more money for the charity. So we have um, a firearms class from Straight Shooters. You get a free class. We have a Ray Bork rookie card. Uh, we have a, a comic book, a rare comic book, Spawn number 1. Um, uh, tickets are $1 each, or you can get 15 for $10. And all that money goes straight to the charity. And he forgot the most important one, a round of golf. Oh, that's right. Oh. With Rob Ducey. That's right.
0: Former Major League Baseball player and Olympian as well as at least one member of Legacy Battle.
1: Not a bad if it's guy. me,
0: don't worry, you're going to win. I shot 117 today. <laughs> so keep that in mind. So I'm going to introduce the panel. Down here at the end, we got Kevin Adams, Paul Havicott, Brian King, I'm Michael Adams. If you are not a member of Legacy Battle, join it on Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts. You name it, we're on it. You can find us. You can listen to us. And uh, we have trivia prizes all the time that we mail out as well. So you want to listen to those shows. So I'm going to let my panelist Brian here do our introduction of our special guest tonight.
1: All right. As Michael mentioned, we have our special guest this evening. He played on six major league teams, the Blue Jays, Angels, Mariners, Billies, Rangers, and Expos. Played in China. He also played for Team Canada in the 2004 Summer Olympics. He has worked as a major league scout and hitting coach and is a member of the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. It's Rob Ducey. Thanks, Brian.
3: Uh, pleasure being here and uh, enjoy your evening. Uh, playing golf with these guys is a true treat. <laughs>
4: Establish that in the parking
0: lot. Who are you? All right, so before we start tonight's debate, I'm going to throw out one more trivia question here. We're going to do... All right, we got a game card for Lane Glow. So I'm going to stick with the movie themes here. In the movie Anger Management, Adam Sandler jumped onto this baseball field to propose to Marissa Tomei. Anyway, Kevin is wearing their jersey. (laughs) There you go.
4: (laughs) All right, tonight's debate.
0: We're going to be debating the greatest World Series winner of the 90s. And we're going to start out tonight with that hated
6: New York Yankees. Where's all my Yankees fans at? I know you're out there. All right. They only hate it because they win. So anyways, the Yankees, 1998, they set an AL record uh, for wins in a season. They went 114-48. and Um, and then if, if you go into the postseason, they actually had a total of 125 wins, which is an MLB record still to the day. They swept the Texas Rangers in the first round of the playoffs. They went on and beat Cleveland in six games. And then they swept the Padres to win the 24th World Series. They were 22 wins ahead of the second place Boston Red Sox. 22 wins ahead of them in the standings. They were managed by arguably one of the best managers in baseball, Joe Torre. On the mound, you had a five-time World Series winner, David Cohn, who also has pitched a perfect game in his career. He had almost 200 wins, 2,600 strikeouts. You had two-time World Series winner, David Wells, with 239 wins, over 2,200 strikeouts. He also pitched the perfect game, and that was in that season in 1998. We had a five-time World Series winner, Andy Pettit, 256 wins, and over 2,400 strikeouts. Their starting rotation on the mound was amazing. Then you have the best closer in the league, Mariano Rivera, five-time World Series winner, 13-time All-Star, 650 saves, Hall of Famer on the first ballot. He received 100% of the voting that year. Jeter and Rivera made our Yankees Mount Rushmore on a previous show. So going into the infield, of course you have Derek Jeter, arguably one of the best shortstops to ever play the game, batting a career 310, almost 300 or 3500 hits, over 1300 RBIs, 14-time All-Star, Hall of Famer as well with 99.75% of the voting on the first ballot. Behind the plate, great catcher Jorge Posada, over 11, or over 1000 RBIs, 5-time Silver Slugger Award, four-time All-Star. Tino Martinez at first base, two-time All-Star, one Silver Slugger Award, Olympic gold medalist. Second base, Chuck Noblock, four-time All-Star, Gold Glove winner, two Slugger, Silver Slugger Awards, AL Rookie of the Year winner. Scott Brocious at third base, voted M- MVP of the World Series that year, also a Gold Glover for his defense and an All-Star. In the outfield, he had five-time All-Star, 1,200 RBI Paul O'Neill. Tim Raines, seven time All Star, batted 294 for his career, over 2,600 hits, 808 stolen bases, Hall of Famer as well in 2017. Bernie Williams, four time Gold Glove winner, won Silver Slugger Award, won the AL batting title that season, five time All Star. He had Dale Strawberry on the bench, DHN, another Hall of Famer, multi World Series winner, multi All Star. Half their lineup batted over 300 that year. All the batters had double, di- or, yeah. All the batters had double-digit home runs. Two batters with over 100 RBIs. This team led the league in runs that season, and their highest home run hitter only had 28 home runs. So they were a complete all-around offensive team as well as defensive. They definitely were the most complete team. All five starters on the mound had double-digit wins. David Cohen led with 20. Two of the relief pitchers had an ERA under 2.0. George Steinbrenner, one of the greatest owners in the history of baseball, had said that this team was as good as any that he's ever seen. There's never been anyone better. And just to shed some light on how good these Yankees teams, this team was compared to our other three teams that are going to be mentioned tonight, fueled by Sports.com posted a list of the top 20 MLB teams of all time in January of this year. This team was ranked number one. None of your teams are on that list. Bleacher Report the did a top 50 teams of MLB history. 93 Blue Jays, which will be talked about later, they were listed I can't at wait 29.
2: To, I can't wait to this this to Yankee guys. team
6: was ranked number four on that list. Reds and Marlins were not on the list. And the Yankees in 1999 were also ranked in the 30s on that list, which was pretty much the same roster. So they have two teams in the top 50. Lineups.com in July 2020 did a list of top 25 teams in lineups of all time, listed this team number one. Baseball did a top 10 teams 1902 to 2005. Put this team number eight. Post-1920, this team was number four. Post-1947, this team was number one. Post-1961, none of your teams are actually on that list. I have time to Yankees are still number one. And one more. Sportscasting.com in 2017 did top eight greatest MLB teams of all time. This team was ranked number two. Again, all your teams are non-existent on that list. This is the best World Series team of the 90s period. You lost, Rob. Somebody needs to start that three-minute clock time limit there. As usual, Kevin goes long. Don't wait in the car. only like four minutes.
0: <laughs> so Rob, you worked for the Yankees, the evil empire there, Steinbrenners. Tell, tell us about your time there, but uh, also what you think of uh, Jeter and company. I think yeah, of all the places I ever
3: worked, I think that working for the New York Yankees was the easiest job that I ever had. Because if you follow the rules, you got along fine. It was just—it it was about the brand. It was about the New York Yankees, and uh, you can't argue the success of that franchise. Whether you believe that uh, they bought the, the championships or not, it doesn't matter. They still won. And for me, working there, you, you actually got—and uh, I was at the lowest end of the total ball. You got a sense of.
4: of uh,
3: just the, the the legacy. The guys coming, Yogi Berra was coming. Uh, Legends? Yeah, Legends. Yeah, Legends was
4: watching.
3: El walked
0: through. Ron Guidry walked through. And it was about... It's pretty cool, to say the least. I should... And I should mention, too, that we didn't mention this earlier. Everybody who hangs around after this show gets a free autograph from Rob. We've we've got, we've got pictures for him to sign that you can have for free, so, Brian, this was actually before the Yankees were really buying their team, home, home talent, Jeter, Posada, Pettit, what do you think of those boys?
1: Well, I mean, it was a lot of There's no doubt, and yeah, like you said, they didn't bring in a lot of free agents. I was born later in their legacy, and th- this was really the first team in really like since the '70s that had been very successful for the Yankees. So this was kind of um, a resurgence of this, uh, the, you know, this great franchise.
3: No, just just adding. All those guys, all those young that that young nu- nucleus, they all popped at the same time. They all were really, really good players and they all blossomed together and played together for a long, long time. And not many teams have that nucleus. Um, the Phillies had it with Rollins and, and Otley and, and Howard and what happened, they won the World Series. So it, it makes it much easier for an organization to to build around that and add pieces to it.
0: So Well, Brian, you got the mic, so let's move on to your team, the 1993 Toronto Blue Jays.
4: All right, the 93
1: Blue Jays, uh, they were 95 and 67, the best record in the AL. They were going for the repeat. Uh, They had won it all in 1992. Um, Nobody had repeated since the Yankees of the 70s, so this was something that uh, folks weren't sure if they were going to be able to pull off. Uh, They were managed by Cito Gaston, who took over in 1889. He had a 573 winning percentage up to that point. Um, They lost some teams from their their 1992, or lost some players from their 1992 championship team, uh, Manny Lee, Candy and Dave Winfield. But they added Dick Schofield, Ed Sprague, uh, Paul Molitor, and Dave Stewart. And in midseason, they picked up, Uh, the legend Ricky Henderson, and they also – they saw that Tony Fernandez was struggling in New York with the Mets, and so they traded and they picked him up as well, and he turned out to be a great addition. So if you look at their lineup at Pat Borders, uh, nine home runs, 55 RBIs. They had uh, John Olerud at first, who ended up being an all-star. Twenty-four home runs, one hundred and seven RBIs, and he had a three sixty-three batting average. Uh, at one point, he was he was over four hundred um, in August, and he was looking at you know possibly you know, being able to hit that that great mark, but he kind of slid there later on. Uh, but still, ended up being a batting champion. Uh, second baseman Roberto Alomar, another All Star, seventeen homers, ninety-three RBIs, fifty-five stolen bases, won the Gold Glove. Um, Tony Fernandez, like I mentioned, he ended up batting three oh six for them, came up big in some clutch situations. He had Ed Sprague, uh, he had 12 home runs, 73 RBIs. Ricky Henderson added 22 stolen bases. Yvonne White, Devon White was a center fielder, um, 15 homers, 52 RBIs, and he was a great fielder. I mean, people were really starting to make some comparisons to some of the, the legendary center fielders over the years, um, you know, to this guy. And he won a gold glove. And then, of course, you had Joe Carter. We'll get more about Joe Carter later, of course. Um, 32 home runs, 121 RBIs. And then Paul Molitor, who they had brought in, came up big. 22 home runs, 111 RBIs, won a silver slugger. Had a pretty darn good pitching staff with Juan Guzman, Pat Henkin, Todd Stoudemire. Dave Stewart, who was an all-star, Jack Morris. And then closing, they had Dwayne uh, Ward, who to be an all-star in 45 saves. Also had Al Eider come in, spot starter duty. Um, you look at the team as a whole, they had most saves, they had second-most Ks. Uh, they were really good pitching staff, really good um, all-around lineup. So then when the ALS started, they took on the White Sox. And the White Sox were a scary team that year because they had the AL MVP, uh, Big Hurt Frank Thomas, They had Cy young winner Jack uh, McDowell. So the Blue Jays were definitely going to have their work cut out for them. And they ended up winning in six. Uh, Dave Stewart was the uh, ALCS MVP. He only allowed three runs in 13 innings. Then we came to the World Series, and the Jays had to take on Lenny Dykstra and the Phillies. Game six ended up being one for the ages because you had the Blue Jays, they trailed six to five, Heading into the bottom of the ninth with one out. And Ricky Henderson on second base. He Paul Molitorio on yeah, first. Spot, target, Joe Carter drilled a home run. The target wild target, thing, Mitch Williams, to game. win the World Series. So the Jays became the first team to win back-to-back World Series since 1978 Yankees. And the first to have a walk-off home run win in a World Series since Bill Mazeroski of 1960 Pirates. So a great team. They came through uh, when it mattered.
0: Rob, you you played with most of these guys, if I'm remembering correctly. So tell us about the Blue Jays and and how they came to be that great.
1: Playing in Toronto, it was phenomenal. The organization took care of the players. The general manager
3: at that
4: time was Pat Gillick. And whatever the the team needed to win, he was bringing in. I think they had uh, one of the highest people in the game, and
3: it didn't matter if they needed a bullpen help. They brought it in, if they wanted to they make the, the big trade with Tony Fernandez uh, from the drift and to bring in Alomar and Carter, I think it was someone else in that in But those were the big pieces that Matt Gillard thought they needed. So playing in, in there, it was not only, you know, I, I was born in Toronto, but everywhere else that I ever played
4: was, uh, it was kind of in the shadow of, of Toronto, the way they took care of the players. And, and maybe you can answer
0: this better than than what I know, but there, the team was kind of broke up. Uh, the Canadian dollar wasn't. Standing up, Montreal lost their team because of finances. Is that part of the reason why that team started to get broken up?
4: No, I, I, I think that the uh, – at that time in 94, 94 the,
3: 94, the, uh, the strike. And prior to that, it was sold out every day, 50,000 people every single day. When they opened up the Sky Dome in 89, uh, we broke the attendance uh, record the
4: following year and the following year and the following year. So – uh, I think the strike really well hurts. Not only at the game of baseball, but the as far as fans.
0: Okay. Paul, the, the, the Toronto Blue Jays have the worst ERA of the four teams we're talking about tonight. So, what do you think they would have done against the hitting of the other teams we're talking about?
2: I will score them offensively. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what else can you say? I mean, it's. It's one of those few circumstances where pitching didn't win, you know, their offense going. So, and I think they had the wherewithal to pick up like Ricky Henderson and Tony Fernandez, like Brian was saying. It just was a really well-built, cohesive offensive team. All right, let's move to our team of fate, the 1997 Florida Marlins. Okay, this is my team. This is an underdog pick. If you like underdogs, this is for you. This is a pick you make. If you want to differentiate differentiate yourself from, like, a lesser person who would take, uh, like, the Yankees. In 97, the Marlins got in the playoffs to be a wild card. They had a record of 92 and 70. So the Braves that year won the NL East. They had a great record of 101 and 61. I'm thinking that that year the Braves were probably the favorites to get to the World Series. When you looked at, like, the Indians and the Yankees that year, they didn't really have the – the star power, or the or the uh, lineup that the Braves had, but what makes us a total no- anomaly is uh, and hard to predict. Is that in '96 the Marlins had finished third with an 80 and 82 record? Things just came together in '97, like they do sometimes in life. I mean, look at me, up here with Mike Adams and and Rob Ducey. I mean, in uh, kicking wings after uh, winning the World Series in '97, when it came together, you know, going forward in '98. They go all the way down to last place in the 54-108 and 108 record. So, yeah, I'm arguing one year. I'm arguing one team, and it just came together. If you're facing the Marlins in 97, you're facing a capable lineup, uh, but you've got hidden gems in there like Bobby Bonilla, who's uh, still getting paid by the MLB. Uh, you've played third, still collecting a million dollars a year. you got Jeff Conine, Luis Castillo, Edgar Renteria, former Expo star Moises Alou, who I think was really the anchor of that team. Gary Sheffield, and, you know, Brian's Devon White. Moises actually was the star of the team, I think. He led with 23 home runs with a 292 batting average. Gary had 21 home runs with a 250 batting average. But my boy Bonilla, he actually had decent numbers. He was 297 with 17 home runs. Some notable off-the-bench players were Jim Eisenreich, Kirk Abbott, John Cangelosi, Craig Council, Greg Zahn, Cliff Floyd, Darren Dalton, and also uh, Kevin's favorite player, Josh Booty who was uh, backing up uh, Bobby at third. And, uh, he has a jersey that said booty on the back, but so I'll throw his maybe In the postseason, the Marlins swept the Giants. I think they were pretty even with the Giants. They swept them 3-0. But then they go on, and this is the focus of my argument here. This one's going to win Rob's heart over, I think. They, fin- they finished the Braves off 4-2, but you've got to face Maddox, you've got to face Smoltz, and you've got to face Glavin. I think that's probably the best pitching that year. In the league, and it got pretty dramatic uh, when it got to, when they got to the World Series. They faced Cleveland. It went to seven, and thanks to, it, you know, in part, I'm partial because, you know, I'm a Pirate fan growing up, but thanks to a Bobby Bonilla home run, uh, it was a very dramatic series. This is one of the rare years where Florida wasn't down at the bottom of the payroll. They were actually fifth that year. I think Cleveland was third. Um, and interestingly enough, they were third from the bottom in '98 because they had a, they had basically a fire sale. So just to kind of go over who they went through that year in '97, and I'm keeping within my uh, three minutes here on like Kevin. You got the Giants at 90 and 72, Braves at 101 and 61. The Braves had stars like Chipper Jones, Rob's buddy, Gold Buddy, Fred McGriff, Andrew Jones, Kenny Lofton. They had that pitching lineup I talked about earlier. And then they went on and had probably the easier challenge with the Indians, but that gave them the greatest challenge because it went seven. The Indians were 88 and 75 that year. And so that's my 97 Marlins.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, Rob, they weren't supposed to beat the Braves. They weren't supposed to beat the Yankees. But Jim Leland finally gets his ring, something he couldn't do in Pittsburgh. You know, that's the sore spot for the four of us up here, of course. And he couldn't do it in Detroit either. Uh, get to the series a couple of times, but uh, definitely seemed like a team of destiny, and and put together for one year. I don't think you can ever really
4: count out a, uh, a wild card winner because they have to play well all the way through to the end of the year. Sometimes teams that they go on to have really really good uh, records, they kind of coast into the, the playoffs. The teams that win the, the wild card, they have we like to like two nail. Usually it ends up the last one or two games of the season. They still have to battle it out. So they're playing well at that time.
3: You do catch a team like, like the Braves and they may be off.
4: I well, in baseball, it's all about momentum. And I think that you know, it just was the right time. Because the, the, the names that you mentioned... Not a lot, a ton of notes. Not, you know, I
0: don't know. I don't even think you have a one of thing in there. But Sheffield
4: should be in, but,
0: you know, that's pretty that's You think
4: Moises Lou might get in? No,
2: no, I don't think so. Yeah. Really good player. Some of those guys are really good
4: too. I'm not sure, you're... But, you know, the Hall of Famers, yeah. you know, that's the, the – put those guys on the pedestal. Kevin, let me come to you.
0: This was, a, as we said earlier, a destiny team, a one-season wonder. And then how sad was it to see the self-destruction of the Marlins the next season with the owner trading anybody who had any talent and made any money?
6: Well, it's fairly disappointing to the fans, obviously. You build up their hopes. Uh, you always want to have that repeat and that chance to repeat. And you kind of... Pull the carpet off them underneath their feet. It's not a good feeling. Um, and like you said earlier about Jim Leland, I, mean, I was happy to see him win. He kind of has like this bitch to uh, turn the team around. He did the same thing to Colorado. Um, brought Colorado back and them. So, um, but yeah, it's, that's kind of hurt for the, the Marlins fans, and it's kind of sad to see teams like that. Pittsburgh did the same thing after the 2015 season. Pittsburgh finally made the playoffs first time. and. Twenty some years in two thousand thirteen, had three good runs, and then the owner got rid of everybody. So I know how that feels. So I feel for, for, for Florida Marlins fans.
0: Alright, before we move on to our final team, let's throw out another trivia question here. Dennis Quaid played for this major league baseball team in the movie The Rookie. Oh I know this. Wait, wait. Give us no. We have the raise.
6: raise. yep.
0: We're getting technical. It's the double raise at that point in
4: time. <laughs> and I'm in a good mood, so let's do one more. We got a
0: Moe's Carvel Annie Ann Cinnabon gift card. All right, here's an easy one. What right fielder has the most career home runs?
4: Thank you. All right.
0: on our night everybody we got the raffle tickets up here we got the 50 50 we got the round the golf with rob Ducey. we got a
2: yeah, if you want your self esteem shattered, firearm, if, firearm, if you want to you have, have your self esteem shattered, play like golf shooters. Bob
4: <laughs> we got 1992 Clyde McFarland. Here you go, go guys. Go play
6: play
4: That's worth <laughs> some money. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we got the 1980 <laughs> played
0: Ray Dorf rookie card, the second greatest defenseman of NHL And then after history. golf,
2: Rob will continue to piss on you and say he didn't play that well. <laughs> And, of course, that's what you can win, guys. That's what you can win. Rob's got autographs (laughs) for everybody
0: who wants one, so make sure you come up and get one. All right, let's move on to our final team tonight. That is the 1990 Cincinnati Reds. So these boys went 91-71 and record. They won the National League, of course, beating out the defending San Francisco Giants who were in the World Series the year before. You know, they had a solid outfield that – Kevin's Paul O'Neill, of course. And then Billy Hatcher in center field could always run it down. But then you got MVP candidate, all-star Eric Davis. Guy had a great career. Kind of vanished when he went to L.A., but that happened to Strawberry Jew when he went to L.A., so it just kind of happens. Of course, that outfield is backed up by the last remnants of the big red machine, Ken Griffey Sr. That's how far we're going back now. (laughs) He did get traded before the World Series. That is correct. But he was on that team for a while, so... You know, solid catcher in Joe Oliver. He was uh, second in uh, catching uh, people stealing that season, so that was pretty good. And um, sixth in the National League for wins above replacement, third in assists. Very good fielding uh, catcher there. And then in the infield, you got Hall of Famer Barry Larkin. If it wasn't for the Wizard of Oz winning the Gold Glove every year, I'm pretty sure Barry Larkin would have had a few more of those. And, of course, the Duncan, all-star, you know, in his career, MVP candidate that year. And um, oh, the man who made Rex specs popular, Chris Sabo, at third base. I wish I had a pair of those still, they're probably worth money at this point. But he was an all-star as well and MVP, MVP candidate. And he was first in building percentage that year. So these guys have played defense. And then the rookie of the year candidate Hal Morris at first base. Can't forget about him. But where the team really shine is pitching. You got the ace, Tom Browning, of course, but then the MVP candidate, Jose Rio, all-star Jack Armstrong, and Danny Jackson, very underrated pitcher. This guy threw the only perfect inning in the World Series history, so that's a trivia question all in itself there. We can't mention the Reds without bringing up the Nasty Boys. Just a great nickname, Rob Dibble, Randy Myers. Norm Charlton, these guys were one of the greatest bullpens in league history. Um, let me see here. Check this out. Rob Dibble, of course, he was an all-star but 1.74 ERA. That is insane. That was below two. Norm Charlton, 12 wins out of the bullpen and a 2.74 ERA. And, of course, Randy Myers, he was an all-star. He was an MVP candidate, fifth in the Cy Young voting. 31 saves, 2.08 ARA. If they got to the sixth inning, this game was over. The Reds were winning the game. You can ask the Pirates that because that's who they beat in the 1990 playoffs. You know, beat them in six games. Then they go to the World Series and they play the heavily favored Oakland Athletics, the defending World Series champions who have also been in the year prior to that. You got McGuire, Conseco. Ricky Anderson, Harold Baines, Dennis Eckersley pitching, Dave Stewart from the Toronto Blue Jays. They go in and they sweep the Oakland Athletics. They were supposed to lose. The, the odds were insane. Vegas took a, took a big hit on that one. So if we're going to vote tonight, which we always do, I always say pitching wins championships. Pitching stops good hitting. Pitching stops Yankees teams that are bought with money. (laughs) (laughs)
4: And
0: and I'll I'll pitch you stop good hitting again for the (laughs) the Blue Jays there. So this is my last stat that I'm throwing out here tonight. Of the four teams we were talking about tonight, the Reds have the lowest DRA by .5 and have gave up 60 less runs than the next closest team that we're talking about tonight. So Rob... It's, it's 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 an age old question. Does good pitching beat good hitting? No doubt. Eight days a week. It, it <laughs>
3: truly does. Uh, I think what uh, made the difference with that particular club was their attitude. Their attitude. They you know they will, they, You watch one of the highlights where he because a guy bunted on him, he, he picked it up and he threw it out. You know.
4: Yeah.
3: They just did things that. They didn't care what you thought. You know, they, there was total disregard for you between the lines. And you know, uh, that, they talked about Randy Myers bringing, you know, hand grenades and, and different things down to the bullpen and, and in back. Like, man, these guys are just off the chain, the bit. So I think that uh, that's what separated and, and made that team uh, difficult to play against. They weren't normal. Meddling. They
0: weren't normal. <laughs> There's a great video on YouTube called "The Nasty Boys" it tells their story. Check it out if you haven't seen it. So Brian, I, what were you thinking when they swept? What was really on paper one of the greatest teams in baseball history, the Oakland Athletics?
1: Yeah. Well, first off, as a Pirates fan, I was bad because I was hoping to use, we're gonna get some revenge for us, but it didn't happen. Um, now I, I thought. I thought it was going to go the other way. I honestly thought the A's were going to sweep the the Reds. I mean, that that lineup was so loaded. I mean, you mentioned Mark McGuire and Jose Gaseco, the Bash brothers. Uh, It's a great pitching. You know, Dave Stewart, they had uh, Dennis Eckersley, a great closer. So I I thought Oakland was going to have their way with them. And and it was very impressive for Cincinnati to do what they did. All four of these teams were great teams. They're, They're still remembered today as being
0: some of the best of all time. So we're gonna vote here in a minute. Hopefully it'll be a tie when it goes to Rob so he gets all the pressure. I'm gonna throw out another trivia question here. Looks like we got another Duncan gift card up here.
4: I need my shirt. I can guarantee
0: you not one person is gonna get this right in here. But hey, that's why they make Google. James Earl Jones, character in the Sandlot, played for this baseball team. Which, based off of integration, was not possible at that time period. Monarchs. He
2: sounded sure. It I thought he would thought yes. he would I a hint. <laughs> What's it rhyme with? He's in a picture in his
0: uniform next to Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. No, he didn't play. He's not the Yankees
4: nope
0: we have been mentioning in this team all night long
6: so if anybody's paying attention well we know it wasn't the parlor <laughs> i'll give you a hint this table doesn't get to guess with this hit.
0: yeah there's three rivers there
4: <laughs> all
0: right
2: you got it <laughs> you might as well just set a friends with dick Bird. <laughs>
4: All right, one more.
0: Right, go on. We'll have some more in a little bit too, but this team has the second most World Series wins, behind the Yankees. It
2: doesn't it doesn't really matter, yeah, it doesn't. They're matter. in the Midwest. Cardinals. I think you're right with the Cardinals. I think it's Cardinals. That's the Yankees of the National League. Nobody? All right. I'm
4: gonna give
2: want, when to you sign mine, I want
0: a heart on mine. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you guys I want Rob <laughs> Dacey. I want to put a heart. All right, let's move into our vote. You can't vote for your own. So we have the 98 Yankees, 97 Marlins, 93 Blue Jays, and the 1990 Reds. Kevin, down there in the Yankees jersey, who are you voting for?
6: You can't get upset that the Yankees purchase their team if there's no salary gap in the league. It's my fault know. that Pittsburgh and Cincinnati and all those other cities on the, I miss the, the, the pockets to, to buy it. But anyways, <laughs> Did I miss I'm going to have to go with the 93 Blue Jays. I was in second grade. I remember when they won that World Series. You know what? That's wrong. <laughs> I all, all day he's been coming in age. All day. Oh, yeah. I was in the seventh grade. Right? <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I, asked, I asked Rob when, uh, when he played in Pittsburgh, if he played in Three Rivers or, or uh, PNC. He said he played in PNC. I was like, oh, yeah, I was in uh, I was sophomore when I opened. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So in second grade, I, I wrote them a letter. They actually sent me a bunch of stuff back. Uh, I really like the Blue Jays, so I'm going to go with them. I mean, Joe Carter was a beast. Uh, They had a good lineup, good pitching. Brian, I'll
1: tell you what. I'm gonna go with the Cincinnati Reds. I'm I'm gonna mention something that you didn't mention was the season before was a big scandal with Pete Rose and and the gambling on the games and everything. And that team had to go through a lot of turmoil. The season before, they brought back basically the same roster. And that was, was last-place team in 89. They brought back basically the same roster in 1990 and won the World Series and, and like you said, beat that great uh, Oakland A's team. So I'm going to go with the uh, the Reds.
0: Coached by Lou Piniella, who took over for the Rays here, uh, was it late 90s? Yeah.
4: Late 90s, yeah. So we had
2: Lou Piniella down here. Paul, who are you taking? I'm going Reds like Brian. i Chris Sabo, the, the right. big red machine, great nickname. Uh, I can't, I almost yeah. said Yankees, but I, my mouth couldn't get the words out. oh, so I, <laughs> I got a little fill there. So I'm thinking I'm just going to stick with the Reds, the more the Reds. That was a hate vote. It <laughs> was. Definitely. Can't, by the way, you can't vote for your own team, I guess. Well, I, I can't vote for the Yankees either.
4: Uh,
0: no, you no, guys okay. are insane. Derek Jeter is my all time favorite player. Kevin is wearing a Jeter jersey that belongs to me. So, even saying that, I'm sorry. I just I don't think they were the best. Go I, I look yeah, at uh, every single list. They one. lost to a Marlins team a few years later the in the World Bay Series.
2: Bartman year. The Bartman year. The Bart the Bart right. So, they didn't those lose them. just they go them. Lose Marlins. Them. Yes, they did lose the Marlins in the World Series. Go sit win. your dodge. I
4: don't know, what was that? 03. Oh, oh, 03? 03? 03. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So. That was
6: five years later. <laughs> that wasn't even in the nineties. Still. Still. It was still yeah, cheater. before that. I was hoping you wouldn't bring that up. <laughs> oh so, was, so <laughs> was God.
0: Like, the <laughs> I love Bonilla. I love Sheffield.
4: Yeah, thank you. I, I love my the best manager I think, yeah,
2: I think
0: Ross got a lot, a lot of too. bad
2: teams <laughs> pretty far. <laughs> so I'm going with the Marlins. So,
4: Rob, no we're both.
2: Oh, here it goes. I'm I'm I have those. to go with
4: the Yankees. <laughs> thank you. Uh, so I truly do. Because the, uh, the roster they
3: had, a tremendous player. All right, well, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> that was prior yeah. to them as the body of work, you know, that was at the beginning of
4: it's how Blue Jays actually fell out. I thought you were sure that about that. I knew nobody would hit the ball. Well, that's one, one for the Yankees, one for
0: the Marlins. Um, two for the cincinnati reds so hey the win goes to the host how about them apples so we're gonna we're gonna talk to rob here about his career for a little bit and then he's gonna sign autographs and uh, i just want to remind everybody we got the 50 50 up there we got the round of golf with rob we got the Rayport rookie card we got spawn number one and we got the free firearms class so raffles lots and lots of raffles all that money has gone to a great cause, Operation Heartfelt, feeding these hungry kids in the local areas. So uh, come on here, we're gonna be pulling all those, probably about 7:30, 8 o'clock, we'll be pulling the raffles. Put your phone number on the back, we'll call you if you're not here. And Rob's gonna be signing autographs here in about 15 minutes. So before we ask him his first question, got another trivia question here. This Metallica song is used as the entrance for the greatest clothes of Mariano
4: Rivera. Yeah, and it said, is Somebody said it. Was over. Where was that at? Yeah, hey, was here. Over here. It was Inner Sandman. The
2: game was over when they played that song. For whom the belt was. I hated that.
0: Wasn't that Trevor Hoffman? Yeah, might have been, yeah. yeah. Trevor Hoffman was doing the belt toys. So I'll tell you what, because that's Zero. such a good guess. I'm gonna give you a prize. <laughs> We're out of gift cards, but you're getting a—you're getting something even better. You're a Brian Leach rookie card. Y'all right. <laughs> hate those. Stanley
4: games.
6: Cup. Yeah. All fairs, Stanley That's Cup fine. MVP. I'm an emotional person.
4: I Man, pick the Marlins, for God's sake. Who would do
6: that? All right, let's
0: let's talk to Rob about his career. I'm gonna ask the first question here. I wanna ask—I'm gonna ask the hard question. <laughs> 2004 Olympics. Did you have to try it out or did they just call you and say, hey, come play for us?
3: No, I almost had to try out. Uh, I went to the, uh, the Olympic qualifier with them and, it, and I almost had to prove that I could still play a little bit.
4: Um, uh, it was fortunate enough for me that, that I, I did enough to kind of st- stay around. I was the old
3: guy, I was almost 40 years old, and I never got a chance to, to play for my country and,
4: and I, I, I jumped at the opportunity.
1: I'm going to go a little bit off the script. I'm going to ask a question about, I want to get your opinion when when the, the scandal happens. I, I mentioned earlier, when the scandal happened with Pete Rose, what was your initial thoughts? As, like, you were, were you a minor leader at that point? or What year was that? 89.
3: Uh, no, I was, I was in,
1: in a big league. Oh, you are in a big, that big, my big first, Yeah, that was my first full year. In okay, yeah. So what was, like, your initial reaction to that scandal, and, and how do you feel about folks that say Rose should be in the Hall of Fame now? Uh, uh, it, obviously, that when it's against
3: the rules, then it's against the rules, and the punishment is X. Well, punishment and was banishment, you know, for his particular crime. Uh, should he be in the Hall of Fame? Yes, you know, he's a hit leader. Uh, he should be in the Hall of Fame, but that's not the case. Right? I think at some point in time he will get in whether he's alive or, or no longer
4: with us. But uh I I, I truly believe he should be in the help
6: Uh Are you on? Yeah. Um so help as a child. Uh what one player would you say you kind of looked up to and got you motivated to get into baseball and pursue a career in baseball? But
0: well, there was no particular player. I loved to play. Uh, I think that we talked about that in,
4: in the past. Uh, I,
3: I truly, I love to play. I, I, I didn't really have a baseball idol. Baseball was new
4: in Ontario
3: as far as See, the, the news
4: concerned. Uh, I didn't really follow the, the, the uh, military. Like so.
3: But... Uh, you know, guy liked his hair, it was making me pride. I, I liked how Mickey Rivers walked. Uh, I, I thought if I ran, skipped and
4: towed, I'd, I'd run faster, you know, those types of things. But as far as uh, taking a, a player and, and having him as my role model, that wasn't the case.
2: Rob, when you were playing during the long season, what was something you did? On your own time, like what was some of your favorite activities? Kind of decompress, reset yourself. Was it, was it cards? Was it golf? What did you guys end up getting into? Oh, we did play a lot of, we did play a lot of golf.
3: We did, uh, golf. We did, we did play a lot of cards. We spent a lot of time together. Uh, but for me, it was never. Uh, I was always on. It was never a scenario where uh, I had to get away from the game. And, you know, lying down. And I think that you, you get used to the the, the eight-month turnover every day for eight months you're, you're getting after it every single day because the fans expect you to play 100% every single night. And it's a long, long, it's a marathon. It's a long season. So you, you just get into a routine where this is what you do and this is how you go. And, and so that when you show up at night, you, you
0: give you're, you're 128%. All right, there you have it. So we're going to get Rob set up here to sign autographs in about five minutes. We've got free uh, for you all pictures of him that he'll sign. If you want to ask him a question, I'm sure he'll be kind enough to answer that when you come up as well. Just want to throw one more reminder out. we got the raffle table going on. If you're not familiar with Legacy Battle, we are on YouTube. We are on Facebook, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, a little bit of everything. We like to give out trivia prizes. We even mail them out. We've had former athletes on. Let's see here. What do we got? For all those Tampa fans, we've got Darren Puba on. Andre Wall. This guy just beats the crap out of everybody. Who else we got from hockey? we got Kevin Stevens coming up from the Pittsburgh Penguins. Ken Regan. Grant Jennings. Bernie Nichols. L.A. Kings coming up, too. Sean Podine. When we go to football, we've had Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl winner on, Ken Dilger. We had uh, Jeff Chadwick from the Lions, Richmond Webb, Derek Holmes, Ken Riley. And then basketball, we've had Rick Robey, he played for the Celtics with Larry Bird. We've had people from the Olympics, Dan Jansen, the great Olympian. Jim Neighbors coming up, he's the swimmer from the 60s, 70s, Pesacobo. And of course, uh, baseball. we got another show coming with Rob that's going to be released here pretty soon where we're going to be debating the Canadian Mount Rushmore of baseball. We've had Otis Nixon, Sid Green, Jeff Ballard, Mike Kingery, just players out the wazoo from every sport. <laughs> I'm blanking on players. We even had Wimbledon winners on. So we, we, we dive into every sport. We had Kenny Knox, who lives up in Tallahassee. uh, designed a lot of the golf courses here in Florida so yeah check us out join that Facebook page and subscribe to all those channels we mentioned earlier so about five minutes we'll get the, the autographs going here